from Europe calling. All the news from the UK and Spain. Europe calling. Very good day, everybody. Welcome to our show. It's with Neil Coborn and myself, Vince Tracy, as we look at uh, things happening in Europe. Well, today we started a little bit uh, on the colder side, but uh, things look as if they're heating up a little bit. I'll get in the car, go over the mountain, and we'll be about three quarters of an hour down uh, in the direction of Benidorm, to meet up with Neil Colborn. So oh, good morning. Sorry afternoon. Sorry afternoon. It's one o'clock here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, I'm uh, I'm in the studio talking uh, quite early on with Eric, and then putting it all together. You know, like we'll be doing with this one when we finish this one. So, um, have you been out and played a bit of golf this week or anything like that? It would have a it would have a Christmas. Uh, Turkey shoot yesterday at um, Villa Itana. So, and then we had the we have a party in the uh, Barlafont in Pollock uh, after, and everybody fetches the food down, and all of a sudden the bar's full, and everybody's enjoying themselves. Great. Okay. Uh, normally, you win these things. Did you win this one? No, came second. I'm afraid. Okay. No, but your golf is still pretty good, Neil. I've got to give you that. Um, and obviously, uh, when you can win a few bob here and there, I mean, it's uh, it's worth all the practice, isn't it? It's always handy. A few bobs always handy, Vince. Yeah. Okay, well, look, um, we've got to start off with the more serious stuff, obviously. And yeah. um, sadly, already struggling with a normal life of winter sickness in our hospital wards. We now found ourselves with yet more uh, frightening projections of serious illness and death. And alongside, this is all what I'm reading from the papers, and alongside these huge but uh, mostly unreliable numbers comes the threat of further restrictions and controls. And um, there are fresh demands for lockdown from those who believe that suppressing COVID-19 um trumps all other human endeavors yet attempts to shut down society make no sense particularly as they are tuds with real experience on the ground a true a true description of where we find ourselves is more um, um nuanced and overwhelmingly more optimistic than the forecasts suggests um, from what I'm reading, I am a GP as well as I am an epidemiologist and I spent yesterday morning um, visiting urgent cases among the elderly. Yes, I was busy, but busy with most of the normal respiratory problems we face at this time of the year. It didn't feel as though we were overwhelmed with COVID. Uh, um, coronaviruses are seasonal in the Northern Hemisphere, as are several other respiratory pathogens. So I should be uh, it shouldn't be surprising if the hospital admissions are high. Well, now that's um, sort of negative positive if you can get my drift um yeah. i mean wh what do you think's going on i mean last year there were no recorded deaths of flu right and now this year right they're saying that oh we're going to be overwhelmed with this omicron thing right but they're saying that you're not likely to die with it it's just like a cold or it's a bit of flu and all that and in two or three days 
you'll be you'll be fine again. So all this panicking, you know, every, everybody's you know doom and gloom on television. I hate watching it now. You know, in the morning, BBC News, ITV, Sky News, everybody. It's all depression, depression, depression. No wonder people get depressed in listening to it. But it's just a form of flu, this one. There's not that many people dying of it. Well, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, the, the thing is, there are agendas that people are not addressing. Uh, like, for example, the fact that um, these companies, these uh, companies that produce the vaccines, um, they've got a huge vested interest in making certain things sound worse than they are so that everybody then reacts. And, um, you know, you've got people like Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool manager, and, yeah. um, you know, he's busy trying to tell people they're like criminals driving car ba cars badly if uh, they don't get jabbed. Well, I, mean, I don't accept that. Um, you've got Piers Morgan saying that doctors shouldn't treat um, footballers who get injured if they haven't been jabbed. I mean, I, I don't know what the world's coming to, but there's some very, very unusual and very unjustified comments coming from people who are not qualified to make those comments. Well, exactly. Exactly. It, 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 me and you, we, we don't know what we, we're really talking about with these, you know. But what, what you can see in the figures is this this omicron thing is a lot less than what we had last year and year before you know it's it, we, we all get a bit of flu during winter months and then the people that have got uh respect respiratory um, problems they, they're going to get it a bit worse you know but you, you, sooner or later we're going to have to live with this and these these pharmaceutical companies and this that and the other listen there's no profit in a cure. They'll keep trying to push everything onto us just to make more money. Yeah. Good point that. There is no profit in a cure. I'm going on yeah. to read a little bit more to you. It would undoubtedly help politicians and their advisors to see the reality of the NHS frontline instead of listening to focus groups and staring at graphs. In the real world, it's clear people have changed their behaviour in response to the change in case numbers and the guidance they've received. Analysis of people's movements shows retail activity is down by 25% in Greater London. Use of public transport and attendance at the workplace is down by 40%. Um, you see, uh, you then look at a comment made underneath uh, the article, which I always I'd like to see what other people are thinking, because then you get people more like yourself, you know, um, uh, and maybe how we would th think. Anyway, science mathematical models, assumptions, worst-case scenarios, estimations. There are so many variables, everybody trying to cover the backs except the few who are brave enough to call it out as basically a mystery. In the Spanish flu, it would be unusual if any family down one street didn't have a death in that family. People weren't locked down, they were too ill, or caring for family members who were all to go out and, of course, um, sorry, too ill to go out, and, of course, the fear stopped them. There was no NHS, that's the National Health Service, by the way, for our listeners around the world, that's the UK National Health Service. Uh, there was no NHS back then, that came in 1946, by the way. Uh, doctors would knock on uh, hospitals, uh, and other doors and leave um, uh, menthol for inhalation. 
this has got to be about one of two things. Fear of our hospitals actually completely collapsing near to it every year pre-COVID. Imagine the shame. Or is this all part of a wider agenda? Take your pick. And then it goes on. Uh, yet surprisingly, few scientists are in favour. Even the most COVID-fearing who have argued for repeated lockdowns, despite just under 20% of Britons having had only one dose of protection. And studies show uh, three jabs are by far the most effective uh, tool we have for controlling the UK's epidemic. Dr. Gipti Guthani, an epidemiologist at Queen's Mary's University of London, who advocates for zero COVID, a campaign to eliminate the virus globally via strict lifestyle restrictions, says she'd be more supportive of making mask wearing in all indoor spaces a legal requirement than she is of mandatory van- vaccination. Mandatory vaccine, uh, vaccines railroad people into having a jab rather than dealing with the real causes of vaccine hesitancy, she says. Well, I don't know about you, Neil, but I think the vaccine hesitancy comes about when you read about fit people who basically have got no problems whatsoever getting the jab and then not being on the planet to discuss them anymore. I mean, it's getting stupid, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. You go and have your jab. You, they say you're protected. It's this, that, and the other. We all, you know, I've had it. You've had it. Everybody that I know's had it. And no, nobody's gone down with with any of this. But it's ridiculous that every time you get one of these, you know, these scientist things and all this lot, and it's always it might, it may be, it could. You know, nobody ever says it definitely is. You know what I mean? Yeah. N- nobody's telling you. Listen. This is what this is what's going to happen. It just they just keep putting fear of God into everybody with maybes and could be and might happen. Well, it's the, ridiculous. The the problem for me is that really, you know, I, I'm still convinced this is all connected in whatever way, shape, or form. Uh, with the problems of communism and um, certainly Russia and China and what they're up to, because they are up to something. Um, they've been meddling in, uh, the, well, Russia's been meddling in the Ukraine and Belarus area for quite a while, uh, whilst China has been building up um, all sorts of um, uh, naval bases and things around the Pacific and basically um, threatening every now and again to release more of this uh, COVID stuff on the world, etc. Um, you know, you don't have to be really the brightest on the planet to see that there's more to this than meets the eye, do you? No. China and Russia are always at it, aren't they? We know they are. But why should we check on board? You know, well, we better put a scare thing out, even though we're not quite sure what it's going to be that China and Russia are going to do. You know. Does it make any sense to you if I could sort of uh, give you a scenario which is basically... If you had, um, for example, um, Russia and uh, uh, the the Chinese communist saying that if you don't do this, we are going to do that. And people like Boris, who are either in on something bigger or basically suffering from something that's very, very big, and they can't give us all the details. Um, I mean, really, you, you can't see any... You can't, you can't see any confidence anywhere from a leader who's saying this is now 
getting silly. We've got to do something about it and we've got to stop, you know, in our track. We can't keep um, making the economy suffer because basically if we do that, we're playing into the hands of communism. If communism is behind it, obviously it gets silly, doesn't it? Yeah, it's completely silly. But China and Russia have always been bully boys. Always been to, to the smaller countries, no matter where they are in the world. And, and you can see that slowly they want to try and take over, but they're threatening you with, oh, well, we'll send you a bit more of that COVID that you had a couple of years ago and this, that and the other. Well, it's about time everybody got together and sorted China and Russia out. If that's got, what's got to be, you know, if that's what's got to be done. I- you can't keep going along bullying people. I think the problem is really everybody knows and the Chinese themselves will know that if somebody starts a third world war over something, then, you know, really there is no point in sort of having a walk because the planet won't be fit to live on. Um, From what we've seen, I mean, we've all seen Hiroshima and the bombs and everything. So any rational minded person will know that we've got to find a solution to working with these people's. And, and trying to just say, look, for goodness sake, you know, you live in your part of the world, just get on with you, whatever you want to do, and we live in our part of the world. But, of course, there are those people then that want to interfere, and, yeah, um, I can understand why they want to do it in, in the best possible way. They're trying to do it for the nicest reasons, which is to try and make sure everybody gets a good quality of life. It's a real difficult one. And, you know, when it comes to exactly what science are we talking about, um, you and I will both know um, somebody down in Cornwall who was a great comic, uh, Jethro, who I yeah. had the pleasure of working with him a number of times. And he is um, sadly now dead because basically, um, you know, it's probably something age related, probably lifestyle related. But he had his he had his um, vaccinations and he had his boosters. And, you yeah. know, so if we know that people and we're just citing one particular thing that's been in the news this week. If we know people who have had the vaccinations and the boosters are still um, unfortunately dying. And that's just a very, very small example in that respect um then really you say to yourself why are you making people get vaccinated if you know that the jabs and the booster jabs don't work we've got to we've got to build up natural resistance to what's going on haven't we oh yeah your natural resistance is the best form of it really but you see the, the other one i mean well, what they'll do you're talking with china and russia they'll, they'll threaten chemical warfare and everything else and all this lot but we've had we've had these masks on now for two years. Yeah. They're not working. Yeah. So we all have the jabs. Now they're trying to say they're not working. Well, hang on a minute. What is going to work? Find out something that's going to definitely work. But nobody's died of old age. Nobody's died of cancer. Nobody's died of anything else. But every death related within 28 days of a, uh, an injection, it, it all went down to COVID. That can't, that can't possibly be true because nobody's died of flu. And every year, something like 100,000 people in the UK die of flu. But everything's gone to this COVID and uh, Omicron and uh, all this lot now. He said, no, tell us the truth. That's all I we think, want. I think most people feel that way. I mean, once we know there is a truth and we can believe it, but the trouble is, 
I think we're getting to the stage where we don't know what the truth means anymore because you see so many things, then you think, well, hang on, that can't be true. I'll play a jingle and we'll move on, Neil. Stand by. You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coburn. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. Okay, now then, a Christmas card has been sent, uh, or is being at the moment, sent uh, to hundreds of repeat offenders across Cheshire by police to remind them to think again before considering crime over the festive period. The card features a mock-up of TripAdvisor giving a review of a custody suite, uh, which is where criminals should expect to stay if they're offending over Christmas and has hilariously been rated half a star by police. They are being sent to um, serial offenders across Warrington in Cheshire as part of the police's Operation Jingle campaign, which aims to keep people feeling safe and reassured over the festive period. However, the ex-Home Secretary, David Meller, has branded the a stunt as ludicrous after the guard was revealed by Cheshire Police. Um, there's a say what you see London um, comment. The police should not employ humour when they communicate with criminals. Professional standards and gravity should be strictly maintained. Jokes like this one only serves to undermine the serious nature of the subject and will actually have the opposite effect on criminals. In my view, the standard of policing has substantially declined in the UK across the board. It needs a root and branch overhaul. Right, what do you think? I mean, David Mellor, do me a favour. You know what I mean? We've not seen him on scene for about 10 years, have we? Listen, the easiest way... You know, to to what's the name? To, you know, instead of sending cars and this is what you're going to lower, get them caught, lock them up, which they don't because all these judges just let them off with suspended sentences and God knows what. Lock them up, and then you know you're safe because he'll not come round to your house, will he? You know, the the thing really though is, um, I, I suppose the police are damned if they do, damned if they don't. Damned if they don't. You know, they, they've tried to sort of uh, probably approach this from looking at the sort of ways that maybe the criminals live and the papers they read and that sort of thing. I mean, really, um, I think anything is worth a try to try and, you know, stop people reoffending. Um, so I, f- I don't really feel that that's a fair criticism. I think maybe it could have been done in a different way saying um well we applaud the pr- the police for trying something different but in our view it does really probably mean that you know you'll be regarded as less professional and i think that's something that i've noticed with uh, the differences with some of the police you know you've got certain police who you know straight away are really really old style professional police people and then, I mean, when you look at Cressida Dick, for example, um, I don't think she... Ex- well, she doesn't inspire confidence in me. What about for you? No, no, she doesn't, no. But all the old-time coppers, you know, I mean, if we saw a copper coming to, towards us, you know, either on beach or on his Velocet uh, motorbike, you thought, hang on a minute, I've not done no wrong here before, you know. Sometimes they let on to you and speak to you. Other times... They come and warn you, you're not be doing that, you know, and all this lot. But now, you've got no respect. These youngers have got no respect for police or authority or anything. You know, it, 
and you can't clamp down on them because all they do, brothers, are going, oh, you can't do that. Oh, no, you can't do that, you know, with them. No, if they're wrong, then you've got boundaries and punishment. And if you don't stick to them, then everything, everybody's going to run wild. You know, all these bad, bad boys. I think, quite honestly, what we're seeing um, from my days when I was, was uh, teaching, especially when I was doing supply teaching at the secondary modern schools, I'm afraid you're seeing that... I said this at the time. I've never, ever really changed my tune. Basically, if you have a puppy and you let it bite you, and you then have got a problem because it's going to start getting bigger and eventually you can't control it. Exactly. And then as that's the case, you also find other things are making it difficult for you um, to keep any sort of force. And I think that's what's going on. I just think the police are being uh, hamstrung all the time. I mean, I, yeah. would, I wonder how much of this is political. What, what about uh, your thoughts on that one? Well, I'm, I agree with you there altogether. You know, it, it starts in the home, as you say, whether it's a puppy or a child or whatever. Unless you teach them right from wrong, you, you're going to end up with more problems the, the, the older the puppy or the child gets. You know, it, and, and as you say, police are damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. There's no respect for teachers, there's no respect for police or anything or any authority. So, and that's where they're running wild. But the, the, the drills start at home, yeah. in the house, and fetch the puppy up properly. Not, you're not allowed to bite, or the child, or whatever. I think also, I think uh, if you, and I totally agree with what you just said, if you then look at the likes of the TV programmes and the series and the numbers of violent programmes that you see on the TV available through the different platforms, and, you know, you do see so many of these are aimed at showing you the police, how corrupt the police are, and yet I would imagine... Of any body of people, there's always going to be a percentage who sort of make it bad for everybody else. I mean, in a general sense, I th I've always found any friends who are police tend to be quite, prof well, very professional people. Um, and I'm pretty sure you're probably going to make the same comment, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you, I mean, you're going to get bad apples in any, you know, you're going to get a bad apple sooner or later in any group that there is. Whether it be police, nurses, doctors you know, lawyers, anything. You'll get a bad apple, and then it, that damages the, the reputation of all the others. And it's all wrong. Jump on them, the bad apples, and sort them out. We're going to stay with the sort of Christmas uh, theme a little later, uh, but um, I'm going to stay with the police theme for a moment as I read something else that I got in the papers. Shocking footage released by police shows a series of terrifying near misses after a string of motorists were convicted as part of a dangerous driving clampdown. Heart-stopping dashcam video shows reckless drivers narrowly avoiding carnage on the streets of Northumbria. Northumbria. One car can be seen braking suddenly along a dual carriageway, causing a van um, to swerve out of the way. Others are seen dangerously overtaking on the wrong side of the road, while one motorist inexplicably stops in the middle of a busy road to change direction. The video was released by Northumbria Police as part of a Dashcam initiative project, which has won them a Pride in Policing Award. It's all very well winning awards, but that's not stopping the problem, is it? No, no. You know, you've got that crash for cash, haven't you? 
I mean, that's slowly being, you know, the, through insurance companies, you know, investigating it properly and not not paying out. That that sort of thing. But they'll try it somewhere else. But these these that go recklessly driving, are, are crack, you know what I mean? It, it's their own lives as well as other people's lives. I don't know what they're at, you know, with it. Well, I, I look at some of these uh, police chase, chase programmes. You know, I do find them interesting. And time and time again, you see the ridiculous politeness of the police. Um, yeah. And, you, you know, when you look at the uh, exact footage of what's happened, you've had, um, you know, you, you've had maybe so many people involved in that chase. I mean, obviously, the police, their cars the helicopters, the back at the uh, control centre, all the different things that have happened en route of the chase. I mean, the amount of expense that's got to be involved is horrendous. But the actual behaviour of these young, uh, unusually young, but I mean not always young drivers um, or intoxicated drivers tends to make you believe that really um, the, the courts just are not punishing these people properly, are they? Exactly. That's that's my problem. I watch I watch them interceptors and police force and and all that, and they've got everything on the dash cam. They've got the speed, the you know, the, uh, and they're chalking through it as you're going as they're going along, and what speed they're doing, and where they're going, and opposite side of the road, going wrong way and around about this and the other, and then it says they're, they're still in under investigation, or when they get thingy, they get a fine, and that's it. Hang on, they're putting hundreds of people's lives at risk here, flying through little villages at 80 and 90 miles an hour. You know, but it's, as you say, the judges haven't got a clue. You know, you've got laws there that are what you can fine them and what you can give them as a sentence. And how many times do we hear that? He's, he's had 17 times he's been, you know, he's been caught doing no insurance and driving badly and this, that and the other. And they say, oh, uh, he got a two-year... Suspended sentence. Whoa, please, do me a favour. Well, I don't know if it's my imagination or whether or not this is a fact, but every time I look at the uh, the papers online, all I'm seeing is more and more bizarre murders and killings and people. They obviously don't seem to be as frightened of being put away for doing the things that you and I were brought up to be totally regarding things like um, looking at, for example, somebody driving the car and killing people. Um, You know, you did sort of fear that you would never want to be in that situation. I mean, obviously, look, we're not two saints that's never, ever driven, uh, maybe when we shouldn't have driven, before the breathalyzer came in or whatever, or maybe made a mistake and wish we hadn't done something. So let's put that one to bed and then just look at the things that are happening. I mean, you just see so many, so many young lives being lost at the moment. It's just horrendous, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, not, not only in cars, all these stabbings. You know, people just go out now and they have an argument with somebody or somebody bumps into them and next minute they're pulling a knife out and stabbing them. Whoa, hang on a minute here. If you've got a problem, either sort it out or you used to have a bit of fisticuffs and that was it and you, you, you went your separate ways. No, it always ends up being stabbed or, you know, battered over head and jumped on, your head stamped on and this and other. No, no. No, I, I, and I think... 
the other thing that I was alluding to was, you know, when you look at the numbers of uh, police uh, movies, which basically always seem to have a bad bent copper somewhere. It's like my uh, my comments regarding music being played on the radio. You know, a lot of these rapping lyrics are really quite uh, they're quite nasty. They shouldn't be in uh, on a public radio station. Uh, because if you're going to go to maybe see a hypnotherapist who says, well, if you keep playing this tape to yourself, you'll eventually um, get, get rid of a problem. I think this is what's sometimes happening when we're looking at the same footage on TV and hearing the same aggressive lyrics in music. I think that yeah. these are the sorts of areas where I do think they should be addressing by going maybe to the radio stations and going to the newspapers and looking at things uh, that occur so regularly now that really somebody has not got a, they're not got a grip of this and the judiciary it's like VAR when everybody else in the world can see it and we watch a football match and then VAR watch it, you see one or two or three people in a room who obviously um, should be sponsored by Specsavers because they don't see the same things. But that's exactly. the same as the court, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm, I'm with you. With, you know, with all of that, it's, it's like, hang on. That, I mean, we, we, me and you have been lucky. We, we were on that radio for 12 years doing that show. We never played any rapping music because we're all 60s, 70s, aren't we? You know, we're yeah, into but, that, that. Plus, plus I didn't know. Every I, time I have listened to one, there's always some other shooting, mugging, stabbing, or, or, you know, nasty lyrics all the time. And then all of a sudden, these rappers are, are being killed and shot and God knows what, you know, through what they, they're trying to push out. So if you, if you don't play it on radio, you don't give them that, you know, the, the airwave to, to promote it. Yeah. I, well, I think the sad thing is, of course, that opportunity is less now because the internet can still play these things, yeah. you, you know, because nobody really seems to, um, to, to, to... I don't think even they understand that principle that those words in, in, in are not right for young minds. I think that's one big problem. I mean, you know, I sadly see so much of it and it does tend to be race related and yet i'm pretty sure that there's there must be white rapping stuff but it, it's just that we see it so often and and yet it is not definitely definitely not being addressed anywhere okay well i've got another one for us and um this time it's prince william so um prince william has been urged by the queen to stop flying helicopters with his family because She's terrified that disaster could strike. Uh, she's obviously 95 and she's his mum and has had several... Sorry. His nan. His nan, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, she, uh, she's had several conversations with William, who's 39, by the way, so he, you don't realise how much older these guys are now, you know. Um, but she was asking him to stop flying, uh, particularly in bad weather, and fears an accident could threaten the line of succession. Unofficial rules usually prevent senior royals from flying together, but the regulations have been relaxed since William's children were born, allowing for the young family to spend more time together. William, Kate and the children 
uh, George, uh, he's eight now, Char Charlotte, who's six, and Louis, who's three, uh, split their time between Kensington Palace in London and uh, obviously where they live in uh, Norfolk and regularly fly 115 miles between the two homes. Now, is this important? William is second in line to the throne behind uh, Charles, the Prince of Wales, um, while his son, George, is third in the succession. So, um, Donny lad, this is somebody in Doncaster, what did they have to say? Why does this myth perpetuate that flying is inherently dangerous? Statistically, it's significantly safer than driving. It's actually safer than walking. His mother wasn't killed in a helicopter crash either. Oof. Okay, comments, please. Yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah. Well, I mean, William, yeah, he's, a, he's a fully competent uh, helicopter thingy. He's probably more chance of being uh, in a crash in a car going the 115 miles than probably the 55-minute uh, helicopter ride and landing right inside the house, you know, or in Windsor or wherever he's flying to. So, I know, you, you know, your nan, your nan, all your nans were worried about you, you know, when you were young and God knows what. But yeah, I don't think they'll change that. You know, it, it, he's, it, he's a fully qualified pilot. He's done his bit, you know, here, there and everywhere. And he's been on these uh, rescue missions on side of mountains flying his helicopter. So the 115, I think, just let him get on with it, you know. I think... He's fully, he's fully competent. And, and you know, and he, he's not going to put himself at risk with his family or even on his own, you know. Well you, would, well, you would wonder, wouldn't you, whether or not there are other reasons why the Queen might say it. And certainly that guy's comment um, about his mother not being killed by a helicopter might sort of be a little clue to what he was thinking, you know. Yeah, so he's, he's thinking that the, the, the Diana thing were, uh, you know, it were set up or whatever. So they think that somebody might um, mess around with the helicopter. Well, look, yeah. you know, we're living in very, very strange times. And, uh, you know, whether or not people will take a, a stand one way or the other with Princess Diana, uh, she certainly was trying to do some nice things. And I've got to say, um, I, I think the, 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 the work that um, William and Kate are doing, they are seemingly very nice young people, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think she's really good looking and, and he's... he's perfect gentleman and now they've got three lovely kids yeah really i think they're doing very well but on on a, on a serious note um you know in a car possibly you've got less chance of it sort of just um being wiped out whereas with a plane a helicopter i mean that can often be nobody's fault it's just um well it can be pilot error of course but i mean often uh, when they go to look at what's caused a particular crash they don't put it down to any particular one thing and i think maybe the queen is concerned in case really the line of sex succession two out of three would be a bad hit wouldn't it well i i get i get the queen's thing but as i say his helicopter's there, in there, they have all the best mechanics and everything, you know, it's, everything will be checked 100 times before he flies it and this, that and the other. If that's what he wants to do, I'm with him. But as I say, you know, his grandma will, will she'll, she'll be worried if you're in a car as well, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. You know, she'll, because 
you, you worry about your sons and your grandkids and this, that, and the other, like you do and I do. Yeah. You know, yeah. you worry that they're going to be all right. But oh. you can't take that worry away from the Queen unless he decides, well, well, for, for sake of my grand, I'll drive this time, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know? Okay, let's move on. Okay, so the Metropolitan Police confirmed Piers Corbyn was the man arrested in South London in the early hours of this morning. I can't remember what day it was, about two days ago. Conspiracy theorist Piers Corbyn was filmed inciting anti-vax protesters to burn down MPs' offices. Just weeks after the Tory MP David Amos was stabbed to death in Southend-on-Sea, in an address to supporters, the 74-year-old said, hammer to death, I mean, this is a quote this, hammer to death those scum who have decided it to go ahead with introducing new fascism. This is referring to MPs who voted in favour of vaccine passports for entry to venues. It came as a large group of people opposed to Covid restrictions gathered in Westminster to demonstrate against Boris Johnson's Plan B announcement. Video footage of the incident shows antagonistic protesters remonstrating with police. The demonstration was organised by the Together Declaration, who said, We represent more than 200 organisations, business groups, campaigners and professionals who have come together because we are gravely concerned about where the introduction of vaccine passports could lead. Oof. Well, you don't, you don't incite people like that, no matter how, uh, how much you might feel strongly about a thing. Um, I mean, that's just not on, is it? It's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing as well. That, that everybody's allowed a peaceful protest. If it starts getting out of hand, and you know that the leaders are, are making statements like that, then they should be snatched off the street and should be prosecuted. You know. Yeah. Because other people might end up dying that had nothing to do with the the demonstration. Do you know what I mean? So you've got you've got to jump on them heavily. But will they? Will they? Act? No. They're just fine him. And then he'll be out on the next one. It's interesting, though, when you look at the fact that his brother is, um, you know, is so far left that you would say, well, he's a communist. He is a communist. Um, So, I mean, really, um, is it, I mean, how on earth can you get two brothers thinking so differently? That's quite a weird one, isn't it? Really, you know. (coughs) Weird. Um, I mean, look. I'm looking at the papers today. This is uh, in the mail on the date of the 21st today. Uh, Japan executes three death row prisoners in first hangings for two years. Government says capital punishment is necessary to tackle atrocious crimes. Um, Now, I'll tell you what they see as an atrocious crime, because I think we might need to think about what we're reading and seeing as atrocious crimes in the United Kingdom. And uh, first of all, the first guy, 65, was hanged over a 2004 hammer and knife rampage that ended with seven deaths, including his elderly aunt and two cousins. And then there's a uh, another one where a 54-year-old and a 44 executed over attacks on video arcade clerks that left two dead in 2003. 
Um, as I say, the Japanese are calling these atrocious crimes. Now, I don't know about you. I would say that those are atrocious crimes, but yeah, they certainly definitely. don't get that punishment in Britain. No, no, he get about fourteen years. He get he get a life sentence, uh, and he must he must serve at least fourteen years, and then he's out in seven or whatever. You know, he's out fourteen in a day or whatever it is. No, no, uh, I'm agreeing with Japanese here. Well, I mean, you don't want to sort of be seen to be. Um, unchristian or un uncaring but i mean when you actually see that um you know th this is really well i'll read a comment see what you think of this one uh, this is from portsmouth a, a few years ago i was traveling in japan from yet another sea uh, shrine excursion back in tokyo uh, at one station there was a group of school children aged between six and seven being waved off by a couple of teachers the children then got on the train for their homes miles away without any supervision. That would never happen in the UK. And I suspected that Japan's death penalty is one of the reasons why Japan's parents don't need to fret so much about their children's safety. Exactly. The deterrent. That's what it, that's what it does. They've gone and killed these people, seven in one and three and two in another. Right. If, if you just keep putting them in prison for so long, but then they, they can get released or whatever, no, th then there's no deterrent for it. Because they know they're not going to be, be hung or shot or, you know, a lethal injection. You've got to put a deterrent on bad behaviour. Well, I'm looking at another of the quotes, uh, sorry, the comments. Uh, this one's from Derby. So again, ordinary people err in their thoughts. I think the death penalty could safely be brought back here now with the advances in DNA. I disagree yeah. totally with Japan on only a few hours' notice of execution as part of the punishment in waiting for it. The actual execution can be carried out in seconds, as Albert Pierpoint stated in his uh, memoirs, usually between 8 and 15 seconds from unlocking the condemned cell door to the condemned hanging dead at the end of a rope with their neck broken between the third and fifth vertebrae. I mean, you know, um, the, the trouble is really it's, it's a horrible thing to actually talk about doing. But then again, just how far do you go? Because unfortunately... There are too many people just being killed for nothing, or, or yeah. you know, a sort of. Um, well, you've got them in the streets of London, haven't you? People just yeah. going out trying to kill people. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Albert Pierpoint, Manchester man, from where I'm from. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he was a perfect gentleman to them. You know, he, he made sure that they were dressed right and the things were right, but they were going to death. You know, but the reason they were going there is because the cause that a death or whatever, you know, killing people. And as I say, if you ask a lot of them, I know we get millions of do-gooders in the UK, but unless you put that deterrent in, you, you, you're making a worse life for yourself. And a lot of people are saying similar things. Um, um, another one here, capital punishment is required for the most heinous crimes. This is yeah. from somebody in the shires, wherever that might be, and only those ones where there is zero doubt about the guilt. Uh, we should exactly. be allowed to have a referendum on this one. Much better a bullet or a rope than paying for their keep. Yeah, like th these that kill these kiddies. 
six-year-old and eighteen-month-old were, were it the, the little girl Star or whatever she was called. I can't. I can't think of her. I think it was Star or something. They, they should be young. When Fair you well, you know, I I I really can't. I can't sort of go against what you're saying because, quite frankly, I'm I'm appalled at the way certain people are getting... Well, it was a saying, getting away with murder, but now it is people getting away with murder. Exactly. Exactly. And, I mean... Make my blood boil when when you see little kiddies like that, lovely, you know, lovely kids, got their whole lives in front of them, and then they're killed by their own parents or, you know, or even a stranger. The stranger should be young as well. I mean, if if you, actually, if you actually looked at the amount of people who basically have really done some horrible, horrible things who are being kept um, in, in the jails in Britain, and then you look at what people would seem to be saying about the jails. I mean, you know, I've never been to a jail. Um, well, I tell a lie, actually. I got changed in Bodmin Jail once when I was going to um, do a show there. Um, but, I mean, really, you know, it's just this business of, um, okay, it's so final. Um, I'm reading another one. Um, life or death is not about money. Sure, regimes, etc., could be better, but even with DNA, rare mistakes happen. Still, what's a rare innocent as long as we kill the majority, eh? I personally might want someone who hurt my own uh, my own people dead, but I separate that from what power the state should have. Still, the state is usually great with all its other powers. I'm sure everyone will agree. Right. You see, the problem is... Uh, people are probably thinking very much like um, we've discussed, but you do know that, that, that they've been found now to be doing so many things that really are not fair. Um, have You know, you've had to go back and you've seen that all sorts of things have happened. Um, and then we found out many years later that somebody's been lying, you know. Um, yeah, I, I get that. I, I, I'm not saying fetch that death penalty until... It's 100% proven. Anything that's 100% proven, boom, they've got to go. But if it's if there's some doubt one side or the other or whatever, no, no, you better wait and, you know, see until they can find 100% proof. Yeah. Okay. Um, th- there's so many comments, though, that are on that particular thing that I think people... I think they've thought about this one quite carefully and, well, maybe not as carefully as you have to because you, you, you've got to really make your own mind up in a very serious way with something like that. Okay, I'm going to a couple of lighter ones because obviously we're coming up to Christmas. Um, hey. they, they're just difficult to find. There's nothing that, you know... I know. You, Every time you put news on, it's depressing. Oh, you know. depressing. Yeah. But, but then again, you see... Anybody who's totally into a conspiracy theory could justify their conspiracy by saying if you keep the same news coming out of people to depress them, eventually you wear people down. So is that really what's going on? And I've got a, I've got a little bit of an inkling that that's maybe what's happening. Anyway, I'm sure, I'm sure it is on the news news stations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if I can find you something a little bit uh, lighter. First of all, supermarkets could make customers part with money by changing the shape of their shopping trolleys. This is a study led by the Bayes School of London City University. 
uh, university looking into how using different styles of trolley can influence buying decisions. Authors Professor Zachary Estes and Matthias Straker tested traditional carts with a horizontal handlebar, as found in most supermarkets, against a new design with parallel handles similar to those on a wheelbarrow, currently not used in major stores. They found shoppers spend an average of 25% more using the parallel handle trolley compared to a regular trolley. <laughs> yeah, right, OK. Yeah, I want to walk around a, a store with a, a wheelbarrow. <laughs> the, not the, happening. The saying not the, happening. The saying here, the key is the difference in the muscles that are activated while shopping and their psychological associations. Um, I mean, do you think that could be true? No. I, if I, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't go that often. But if I, if I, when I used to, when I lived on my own and I went shopping, I, all I'm bothered about, I don't care which way handlebars are going, I'm going in to buy tins of baked beans, my bread, my butter, my milk, my sugar, <laughs> my eggs, that's it. I'm not thinking, oh, I'm going to buy a lot more in here because this, 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 this handle's a different way. They're marvellous. I'll, I'll, have a go, I'll have a go at this. No, not happening. Well, uh, I've got Mike in the West Midlands saying, what a load of B, and then obviously the few stars. Yeah. And exactly, this proves universities have become a waste of taxpayers' money. It's time to close those offering unimportant courses like this, almost as daft as the media ones. Exactly. I'm with him all the way on that. Another load of tosh. Well, look, um, I, I definitely think he's right with the, uh, the, the... You should really look far more carefully at where your money's being spent. Um, when it comes to media studies, I think what we're doing explains to me that they should be looking a bit more carefully at the media, at who's saying what, how the likes of the uh, social media platforms are in invading the space normally used by qualified professionals. So I think the media studies criticism is a little bit unfair because I think really that, you know, a lot of people don't know the politics. There are huge politics and political issues behind working on the all the media and especially the radio stations. Now, if you take our situation here in Spain, um, what have we got? We've got nothing really that, that really discusses really deep, important things. We had that when I was working at Ondothero. Because, you know, that was what the programmes were about. So we'd get a panel in and we'd all discuss very important things and we'd try to make it light-hearted. But at the same time, we'd call in the experts to give us expert opinion. Whereas now, of course, you're getting everybody just uh, and their dogs putting anything they like on the internet and people are picking it up and acting as if that is a fact. Um, I mean, I'll tell you a very interesting one. I uh, I saw something written and it was something that I thought, oh, yes, this should be um, checked by Snopes, which is one of these sites where they check these things. Yeah, fact checkers or something. Yeah. yeah. Now, the fact of this particular article, and I can't remember what it was for the moment, but never mind. It was actually written by Snopes. <laughs> so yeah. I went yeah. I went back with the headline that they'd written and I said, 
has Snopes got any comment on, and then I quoted what it was, and they waited for the for the uh, search to come back, and it says uh, Snopes has no knowledge of this subject. Oh, right. So that was interesting. That that, yeah. that that made me think, hang on, they're putting stuff out, but then they're not accepting that anybody can can be going to look for it. Um, okay. You see, the thing is, I think there are some very, very, very strange uh, degrees dumbing down the, the amount of work that goes into degrees. I mean, there's a degree you can get now, a degree in Coronation Street. don't know if you know that. Uh, you can get a BA, and in brackets, Coronation Street. I mean, it's no. ridiculous that anybody... I know 50 years of programming. I immediately would go to saying it's ridiculous, but for the fact that you know Coronation Street has affected our lives and very, very subtly has affected the way that we actually think. And I'll explain a bit more about that because basically, uh, if you remember, uh, that they have had very, very white characterization for many years and then suddenly you've seen a switch and now there are different races coming into the program and different ethnic groups different uh, disability things and they address a lot more than just having a bit of fun than they used to yeah yeah i get that yeah and then yeah, yeah they, they, they have moved to you know to disabled people colored people uh you know ethnic minorities uh, yeah but, but they're moving along with the times but they're not jamming all the other stuff from the you know from the media down your throat well, yeah, it is, I, I, I think they do, actually, because, for example, you know as well as I do what a hotbed of football Manchester is. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen a Manchester City or a Manchester United or a Liverpool or Everton fan go in the Rovers' return. And yet suddenly, out of the blue, somebody is a supporter of um, whatever the Weatherfield Rovers or something, you know. And yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the local the, thing. Yeah. And they've got this deep discussion going on about this kid who's training to play for Weathersfield. I mean, the reality of the situation is that there's no, you never hear anything about the, the Premier League. So that's a no. Yeah, I get that. You don't hear a lot of sport on any of the soaps, do you? No, because basically, you know? because basically, they're the type of people that don't understand sport. Um, yeah. When the scriptwriters are writing, probably um, there's another one I spotted today, which is basically um, you can get a degree in reading pantomime. Oh no, you can't. Yes, you can. You, you can. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, does it? Okay. I'm, well, you know the Coronation Street one. I used to drink with the uh, the guy who, who taught you up, Tony Warren. Oh, he right. Lived, he lived a couple of streets away from me. Yeah. What? what hey, what a brilliantly educated fella he was. But just a you know just a normal guy who got on with doing what he was doing. You know, yeah. Tony Warren. They're very good. Well, they had um, a nice profile on um, Eric Morecambe and Ernie Wise last night, which I watched. Um, right. Very enjoyable. But but basically, y you know, when you have the, the two fellas sitting in bed together. I know, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> smoking no, the pipe. And no, it's, it looks on a different level now, doesn't it? You know, oh, hang on a minute. What's going on here? Oh, you know? dear. Um, but, uh, I mean, no, you can't, you can't have comedians who, who tell jokes because somebody might be offended. Might be. Well, if there's a notice outside saying, if you, anybody who thinks they might be offended by it, please don't come in. Yeah. You know, mm. but don't stop the comedians being comedians. You know, well, these new comedians, now, Harper Jokes, I mean, I saw him, um, Whittacombe's son. 
Oh, yeah. I couldn't get anything that he were on about on that Royal Variety show. Yeah. I couldn't get any of his gags proper because I just thought they were just daft remarks. <laughs> so I were offended, so he shouldn't be a comedian anymore. Well, I was talking to Don Woods on the podcast on Monday, and he didn't like Rod Stewart, and I've got to say, I agreed with him. Elvis Costello was awful. Um, you know, there the were yeah. parts of it were good, but some of it were very bad. I'm going to finish with a mother of two. Now, apparently she's married a tree and apparently the pair are still going strong and celebrating their third Christmas together. She's uh, 37. She changed her surname from Cunningham to Elder when she and the Elder Tree tied the knot in 2019. It could only happen, couldn't it, in Seth and Merseyside. <laughs> um, I mean... Police. The per- I mean, we've had three huggers before, but never a marrying them. <laughs> well, this this apparently the pair are, are more loved up than ever this festive season. The mother who works as a carer for her autistic son alongside her environmental work visits the tree up to five times a week and has even decorated it with a wreath, tinsel and baubles for Christmas. And she will spend Boxing Day with her bark-covered other half, leaving the rest of her family at home um, in Merseyside. Kate married the tree three years ago in a protest against plans to build a bypass through her local country park. Um, This is a a lady from Santa Ana in United States saying, I've heard the Brits have a dry sense of humour, but I have to say, I enjoyed reading all the posts that made me laugh with everything going on in the world. If another person can make you laugh, it does make it just a little better, if only for a short time. So thanks for the comments. And I think that's exactly in line with what you were talking about, you know, with the comedians, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that elder tree was at one tree. Then she married it. Did it? So that made it two of them so does that become a pear tree then it could be a pear but I was also wondering if they did have children I'm not what not wondering would they be saplings rather than siblings well there you go marvellous <laughs> now come on Eric uh, Eric uh, 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 we've we've wished each other Christmas happy Christmas we're going to do the same with you uh, it is that time of the year but yeah. I want you to be really seriously thinking about this would you ever consider marrying a tree Uh no. <laughs> I've had to think long and hard about it, but no. <laughs> I just, well, it tickled me. I mean, I've got to say, you know, um, you think actually she could have sort of made it a Christmas tree or something like that, but she didn't. I mean, I mean, if you marry, if you marry a Christmas tree, how's it going to make me dinner and, and wash the pots? <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't happen. I still have to do it myself. No good. Okay, that's about it for the week. Let me just put the music on. Anyway, Merry Christmas to all the listeners, Vince and you and Anne, and we'll speak soon. Lovely, Neil. You look after yourself. Have a great Christmas. Uh, love to Haley, and um, see you soon. See you later. Cheers. Cheers Thanks, Neil. Bye bye. A very happy Christmas to all of our listeners to the podcast with Neil and the podcast with Terry and the podcast with Don and the podcast with um, Rob Daniels. Have a great Christmas. Let's hope we soon get rid of this 
horrible, horrible situation we have in the world. Happy Christmas, everyone. <laughs>